Working I okay? don't know. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were planning to come on to oh, wow. thank you next because that would be a much more sort of uh, upbeat, empowering track. But instead, we came onto the theme from Big Little Lies. So yeah, make of that what you will. Can I just say something? It, is it really? I I I'm quite. This is quite light. It is quite light. We can see all of you. I, that's terrifying. Is there any way that we could bring the house lights <laughs> down a little bit? Just in case I have a panic attack. Yeah. Um, but if not, that's fine. We can just. Uh, that. That's perfect. Yeah, that's great. We got it. That's great. That's could so we, much Could you better. clap for us again just for like... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Um, okay, so thank you everyone so much for coming. Um, we're here today to talk about Jesse Kay's debut novel, Sunset, and the process of Jesse writing that and also just a sort of loose chat about writing and the creative process in general. We're quite aware of the fact that people haven't read the book necessarily. Maybe they don't even own it. So at the end, I think we're going to gauge, you know, if, if, if things have so gone awfully, well. Then, yeah, maybe we can just abort ship and just... Yeah, yeah we might yeah. just run off at um, some point. We did do this on Monday, um, and it, it, we kind of really struggled yeah. um, around 40 minutes in, so hopefully... But hopefully today will go really, really well yeah. because you're all lovely people. And if it does go well, Jesse might uh, want to sell some books at the end. So but that's not, a, that, don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. No pressure. Um, no yeah. pressure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just because you're dressed like a 12 year old schoolgirl doesn't mean that you have to act like you're that. You're doing know? really well. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So Jesse wrote Sunset over the course of two years, most of which she was heavily pregnant, and it was also a national pandemic. So it probably wasn't the most sort of usual yeah, worldwide worldwide it was a worldwide, worldwide one yeah. it was it was a national sorry excuse that um <laughs> and so it wasn't the most usual process for somebody writing their debut novel but jesse has written a sort of plethora of different like artistic forms so i think it'll be really interesting to hear about <laughs> how she got into it um we did just a just a couple of housekeeping things we did get in a little minor fight just before we came out mm -hmm. because she she was confused by the eyes Ethel but oh, we, no. we, we sorted it out but we also got into a fight um, on our last podcast a couple of weeks ago because BB said that um, the book coming out would would just kind of what did you say it would be like a um, I said like it would probably not have maybe like the, and the it wouldn't, it would expectation have or like impact. the result no I did not say it would have zero <laughs> impact <laughs> You, you did, you did. You were I, like, just I mean, considering how much impact. I've helped you with this book, the idea that I would suddenly, at the end of all of this, say that it would have zero impact is crazy. It was something like zero impact. No, no, no you were just very hormonal. Okay. I was hormonal. Yeah, yeah. But, I um, said that maybe the kind of the week of the book coming out might be slightly different to how you were expecting it to be. And it has been, to be fair to yeah. you. That's right. So maybe right. to start things off, um, we could talk about how this week has been for you, how your expectations have been different to the reality of your book coming out and people reading it for the first time. Um, also, uh, my boyfriend is here. Harish, did you find your phone? Oh. Okay, well, if anybody sees a phone... Don't steal it. Don't steal it, <laughs> Don't please. steal the phone. Okay, thank you. Okay, so, Jesse, how has this week been going for you? Um, so, it's really weird because it has been such a long time coming and it feels really nice for it to finally... Um, to see people holding the book and stuff and to be reading it and sending me photos of it, that's been really just so nice. Um, but at the same time, it does feel quite sad for it to be over in a way because 
it is over now, it's done and finished. And um, for so long, I was kind of hanging on to finishing it and in kind of enjoying that thrill of, of it never being finished. Mm -hmm. And so now that it is, it's kind of like, oh, I have to do something else now, um, which is quite scary because I don't know if I have that in me. Mm -hmm. And do you think the fact that you were pregnant for such a large part of writing it and the baby now being here means that it's all sort of like tied up together and it feels like as the baby grows up, he'll always sort of remind you of the book? Yeah, and now that I think about it, I think you can tell within the book how much it, it, there was just there's so I, I just was so hormonal throughout the entire process. And I now kind of when I read it, I, I get that sense from it that mm -hmm. something was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, other than the, 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 the normal things like, you know, grief and um, what it's like to write a book. But, um, yeah, he's so much tied into that for me now. Mm -hmm. When we did our last um, and our first and only other book event, we um, started <laughs> off, <laughs> clearly. Um, we it's, the, it's the final one, yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, never the final never time. Again. Um, I'm obviously not an official interviewer, but Jessie thought I was relatively well-placed being her actual sister. And as we discuss, you'll find out that the book is a lot about sisters. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do apologise if I am... Not good, anyway. No, you're really good. Okay, thank you. You're so much better than me at interviewing. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, well, basically, we started off the last <laughs> interview by talking a lot about the book's sort of like overarching theme, which is grief, right? Yeah. But that sort of set us off in a bit of a weird mood, Let's not it? start with that. Yeah, you've yeah. got a bit of hair attached. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My hair's wet. Yeah, 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 it's wet. It's wet. Okay. Not, not the most professional right, okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. What so, is the book about? No, no, no this, is, this is what I was going to say. We'll finish my question and then, okay, and sorry, then I'll sorry, let sorry. you answer. So we started off our last discussion by talking about grief, um, which actually put us in a bit of a weird mood, and I felt like the chat was relatively low energy then because we were both feeling quite te tense and anxious. <laughs> Depressed. Depressed, yeah. yeah. But I think that's interesting because that's sort of what the book could be misinterpreted as. Um, it's obviously a lot about grief, but it's also got such a kind of uplifting and funny tone to it. Um, so I think maybe to sort of like honor that tone, let's let's have a nice chat and we can talk about grief later. Yeah, that's a okay. good idea. So what is the book about? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be so difficult. Okay, okay no, no, so just tell me okay, who is the character. Okay, so the there book is about two sisters, Hannah and Ruth. Um, Hannah is the older sister. Um, four years older, and she is very much um, Ruth's anchor in life, and they're best friends, they're completely kind of codependent on each other, even though Hannah is completely self-sufficient and driven and ambitious and got her shit together, um, and Ruth is very much a coaster, drifter in her mid-twenties and just relies on her sister to keep her afloat. Uh, every year they go on holiday together. Hannah pays for everything because she's got a normal job. And it's their ritual of just going on holiday together. Um, but unfortunately, on one of the holidays, um, there's an accident and Hannah dies. And so the book is about how Ruth carries on and survives without Hannah. And what she does is she takes a job at Heathrow Airport and because that was the kind of the last place that she felt safe. And the book is about how she works at Heathrow and struggles to live each day. Mm -hmm. That was a very good description. 
Oh, good. Yeah. So why did you decide to make the book about sisters? Why was that your sort of uh, like first choice? Well, because you have just been such an amazing influence in my life, and I've only ever used you mm -hmm. <laughs> in every single job I've ever done, basically. Um, and actually looking back to even when you were uh, 12, 13, when I started using you in YouTube videos, it wasn't because I thought you were good. Mm -hmm. It was just because you were there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have anyone else I could use. Yeah. And, and you were really good. That's so it was just a way of me. I've just always used you um, for writing things. And you've always stolen the show and always been better than me and always just made the experience so brilliant. So looking back in the entire like 15 years now I've been doing this job, um, you're the only constant thing. So it just felt completely appropriate that um, I have never written fiction before in a, in a long form thing. I've written scripts and stuff, but I've never written a, a book. And um, it was just the most easy it was just what happened. I didn't mean for it to happen. And I didn't also mean for it to be about grief. And I didn't mean for it to be awful. And I didn't mean for there to be a death. But it just, you know, it just all happened. And I feel really, like, pretentious saying that because surely there's a plan when you write something. But I, and I did have a loose idea, but it definitely just happened, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Can you go into more detail about that? So um, I know that you've spoken about this with me before. But you always say that when you first started writing the book, it turned into something completely different with the draft process and the editing that went on. So what, what did you find now writing a novel that's really sort of significant about the way that your perception of the work changes as you sort of grow with it? I don't understand what I just said. I way. understand. <laughs> I, I just, I'm staggered by how, how unreliable you are with your, with your own work. Mm -hmm. So... At each step, I thought it was something else. And now, I finished it kind of, the, the last draft was in maybe February. Um, that, and that was only kind of like, it was, it was just completely finished in February, say. And it's only now I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And I, I, as at each step of going through it, I, I thought I knew what it was. And I just absolutely had no idea. So um, I, I think it was, from draft to draft, it, it got clearer and clearer what I was doing. And um, I, I, you know, if I'd handed it in, say, in November, when I thought I was finished, it would be a completely different book now. Mm -hmm. And in terms of all of the different modes of writing that you've done, when would you say that you sort of started writing? When would you say that you're comfortable? When were you comfortable calling yourself a writer? What was the piece of work that sort of made you feel comfortable with that title? Before this. Before this, yeah, before anything. Oh, no, so I still don't think I'm allowed to say that I'm a writer. So. <laughs> that's what's so fascinating about you, because you're so self-deprecating, and I feel like you suffer from such strong imposter syndrome, which I think creative people maybe do to a certain degree. But do you think that actually helps you in your work, because it like keeps you humble, and it keeps you um, checking the work over and over? Or do you think that actually, to a certain extent, it would hold you back, because you're not, like... You're not I just confident find it really, talking about yourself. No, I'm not. And also, I mean, I obviously feel like I am a writer more than anything else, but um, I just I feel really scared saying that because then I might not be able to write again. So mm -hmm. it's just, I just kind of like don't really like announcing that 
that's what I'm doing right now, just in case it goes away. Mm -hmm. um, but I think probably doing uh, my show Sunrise was, and, and again, only with maybe a year after I'd finished that did I realize that I'd written that. So maybe that was the last thing. Yeah. What was the difference in the process between writing Sunrise and Sunset? And why did you choose for the names to be so sort of reflective of each other like that? <laughs> um, was well, there like some like deep artistic decision behind that? Or was it just because it, it would make things a bit easier? Well, first of all, calling t t putting a title on a novel is probably one of the hardest things you can do. I can imagine. Um, and I, I, I find that really hard. <laughs> um, so Sunset was the easiest solution and now I think it's perfect but at the time I definitely think uh, I struggled hugely with that process so I'm really glad I called it Sunset now and it absolutely is on point for the book but um, I, I, I quite like the idea of doing work and, 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 and having I don't think the title matters that much but it does matter obviously because people are going to look at it and people are going to judge you for it but I just thought oh if I have everything with sun in all of my work then just it just takes that the title out of the equation for people. Yeah, and I guess it makes you sort of like easily identifiable. Yeah, but Donny, Donny rather sweetly, my son, he said um, he he thinks that everything I do is called sun something, and so he was like, I think you should, I, mommy, I think your next thing should be moon. I think it should be moonrise. <laughs> so I, that's what I'm going to call my next book. That's great. Moonrise. Um, no, but then what was so? <laughs> What was the difference in your process between writing Sunrise, which was a show that uh, was shown here at the Soho Theatre and was really, really wonderful, and which you recorded your final sort of version of just Recently, a couple of months yeah. ago? Um, what was the difference in the process of writing that well, and this book? Well, with Sunrise, it was quite literally Alfie saying something and me just making a mental note, and then later after he had left, just writing it down verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alfie. Um, well, not, it wasn't really like that. It was kind of like that, but um, yeah, it was like that. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was very much going through a breakup and kind of needing to write a, almost like a diary of what was happening, almost so that I could understand that we were actually broken up. Um, whereas this, it was, it was so much more free, and that was so great, because suddenly it was like, oh, I don't need to write down what, what you said that day. Mm -hmm. I can make up what my sister said mm -hmm. you know I don't have to be like confined to my awful personality I can have a different personality <laughs> um, so that was really great yeah but then on that note because you are sort of um, I feel like the characters are sort of loosely inspired by our relationship and our dynamic as sisters um, do you feel like you're nervous that people are going to assume that it's real and that we are the characters or that you are well, they the already have characters. so yeah I've done like a few interviews this week and it's just amazing because they I think they I'm almost offended because yeah. they they think that we are these characters so it is quite awkward having to say we aren't mm -hmm. but at the same time there is we're a mixture of both and I think even our mum is a, a mixture of both of the characters um and that's been really nice because we can use the most interesting parts of Sorry to pluck those interesting parts from you, but mm -hmm. you know we can use them and then also add some other things, or some more basic things, or mm -hmm. some more weirder things, and that's been great. I also feel like at certain points during the book, you sort of 
<laughs> not as a dig to you, but you it always dig to me. <laughs> you always use the the bad things about my personality to like things that you wouldn't necessarily say to my face. You wrote it down in the character as a sort of like <laughs> way of telling me off about something. So your passage about one of the the sisters um, being obsessed with this idea that she has curly hair, but actually not having curly hair. I know that's you trying to fucking say something to me. Well, just because it is one of the the funniest parts of your. I have a natural curly texture to my hair. <laughs> not today. I obviously started like this today. It doesn't curl like this naturally, but I feel like you just don't understand. As a straight head person, you don't understand. Okay. Okay. No, but I just think that is, it's quite symbolic of sisters in general. You do keep secrets from each other or you maintain lies. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> like you maintain your curls. Yeah. And, um, it takes a lot of maintenance. <laughs> and so that was a thing that Hannah did. Um, she kind of definitely maintained that she had curly hair, but then Ruth would go into her bathroom and there would be like stacks and stacks of curly hair products. Which you need. Which you need if you have naturally curly hair. If it's naturally curly, you don't need the product. You do need, you, you, like, you help it along. Okay? okay. You wouldn't understand. It's fine. But I'm just saying, I thought that was really funny and a really kind of very touching part of the book that when I was reading through the different drafts of it, I was able to see things about me that you'd sort of written or been inspired by that were really, really nice, but also some really bad and ugly parts. Yeah, so, but also, I remember, because we were basically doing a show together and then the... Um, the pandemic hit, so we had to stop doing that. But in our in the show, we had a couple of lines of dialogue of fights we'd had, and that was definitely a huge inspiration for the entire book. Mm -hmm. And so one of the fights we had was um, just me shouting at you, shouting at you. You don't even have curly hair; you just scrunch it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and so that all of the fights in those shows are kind of they are loosely in there mm -hmm. because I think the fights are the most interesting part of, of siblings. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can have fights that just destroy you on the day and make you feel worthless and awful, but then you can be fine the next day and be as close as you are. And I think that's what I really wanted to get in there because I think quite often, especially with friends, you can't have, you can't, if I spoke to you the way I spoke to a friend, it would, I would just, I mean, that would just not be acceptable. So, um, no, do you mean if you spoke to a friend the way that you, yeah, yeah, to yeah, me, yeah, 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 nice. yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, absolutely. We say some horrendous things to each yeah. other. Yeah. And so they're kind of like as nasty as possible to each other whilst also being unbreakable. Mm -hmm. um, and so in the reflections of Ruth as the book goes along, as she's kind of just so lost, the memories of, of, are coming back and a lot of the memories of, are of them fighting mm -hmm. because that's what their relationship was and there's something quite beautiful in that. That was really lovely. What were your favorite parts of writing the book and what bits did you find quite difficult? Because I know you've spoken a lot about the fact that being an author was like quite an intimidating role to step into. Because when you listen to like writers podcasts and you uh, very like established people talking about their books, like they have such sort of intense processes and like they are so well read and they've been doing this for years and they went to like grad school or something like that. So did you find it one really intimidating to assume the title of author and were there certain things that you knew you had to do but that you kind of resented doing? Yeah. So at the beginning stages, when I was like when I'd first got this opportunity to write it and I would sit down, and there'd be like this blank page. It was just, you put on a character of a novelist, because you're like, well, it's, it has to be fancy, and it has to use like big words. And I think definitely the first maybe couple of months were me like writing something that was actually quite maybe eloquent 
and then just like deleting it, being like, well, that's not me. That's just really not me. And um, the, throughout the month, it was having the confidence to write quite simply. And my style of writing is very basic in a way. I'm not using big words. <laughs> um, thesaurus.com was really useful. Um, and I actually, at point, I was, I, I remember thinking, if there was a secret camera in here looking at how many times I've used thesaurus.com, <laughs> the book deal will be taken away from me. Um, and even when I did use a thesaurus.com word and like, you know, had a more fancy word, I would, I would read it back and be like, no, someone's going someone's gonna to pick me up on this. That's not. So I would always delete the fancy word. Um, so yeah, that was the hardest thing, having the courage to be like, write how I write mm -hmm. rather than how I think I should write. Mm -hmm. But what about parts of the actual writing sort of structure that you didn't particularly like? Like, for example, landscapes. Oh, yeah, landscapes. Hate landscapes. Mm -hmm. Oh, descriptive stuff I really don't like. And in books I read, I don't enjoy it when an author goes on and on about, like, the colours of green and all the different shades of green in the tree. I'm like, it's just a tree. <laughs> um, but obviously that is a beautiful form of writing and stuff, and I really respect it. Uh, and I can't do it, so that's probably why, you know, I'm jealous of it. But I'm not descriptive. And you, would, you when you first read it, you were like, okay, you have to just... You have to. They have to. You have to put them in the room. Otherwise, they're not going. Where are they? Mm -hmm. And stuff like that. And so there are a couple of passages where it's like you can see what well, I can see that I've had to really like work and making the, the reader understand where they are. Um, but again, that wasn't something that was a priority for me. Mm -hmm. What was the importance of place in the book? Because Ruth and Hannah are from a sort of the same place that we were born and everything like that. And Ruth goes to art school like you did and they sort of end up living in flats relatively similar to where we live now. Was it just that you found it, well, is it just that you wanted to like describe and write about those places in particular? Or did you find that because the characters were quite inspired by your own life and our own life that they had to be set in that place? Yeah, and also I found whenever I wrote a different place, I'd be like, but I don't know that place, mm -hmm. so I can't, you know, I know there's a Tesco Metro here, so I'm gonna put them there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so yeah, it was very, that's very basic again. It was just like, where do I know where the Tesco metros are or the costas are? Uh, Costa is a very big theme in the book as well. Unfortunately, there's a lot of coffee references. Mm -hmm. um, and food references. And food, yeah. Just because I like, I like, I like that. Yeah, I've always loved reading about what people are eating. And yeah. like in what order they eat their food as well. Yeah. I think you do that really, really well. Yeah, as long as it's not overly descriptive, I don't mm -hmm. mind it, yeah. How did you... <laughs> Um, you write about women and sisters really, really well, but how did you find writing male characters? Really hard, mm -hmm. really hard. Mm -hmm. um, I only have one or I have two. I have, I have their father and Hannah's boyfriend um, and a little boy. And that was, that was enough. That was enough men. Mm -hmm. uh, I found it really weird and, and that, that shows I'm not very experienced in writing men at all. So. Um, Hopefully, Rowan is kind of reads as a man. Mm -hmm. He does. He <laughs> does. Good. Yeah. Um, but that was really hard to write as well because I only know what it's like to be in a relationship and write about how I feel in the relationship. So to imagine somebody else in a relationship, it, I found that really weird. Mm -hmm. And so that was why I probably chose to kill her off. Yeah. Um, so that. <laughs> 
it was kind of imagined what Rowan was feeling and grieving for her and stuff. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And how did you find um, the, how, how did you decide on writing the sex scenes that were in the book? Yeah. Because and Bibi read the audio book. I, I read the audio book and those were really funny she, to have to read out loud. And you helped me edit some of the sex scenes yeah. too. But mm -hmm. again, just nothing fancy. Just, mm -hmm. just, just matter, yeah. matter of fact, <laughs> what happens, simple. Mm -hmm. Because I've read some sex scenes in books and they're just, they make me really cringe. Mm -hmm. It's just too many like talks of body parts and elbows and caressing and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just gross. But did you feel like it was important to have sex scenes in there? Because I feel like some writers and filmmakers and stuff like that choose to omit that. But you wanted like the sort of the rawness of what that would bring to the book. Well, yeah, because going back to your previous question, when I read something, I usually enjoy it if it's got food, coffee, and sex references. So when I was like setting out to write, I was like, okay, got to have those three things, and then I'll enjoy it. <laughs> so if no one else does, I'm sorry. Um, but I think it, the sex is like a, a massive part of it because it's, she's going through this weird time and she makes really bad decisions. And um, if I didn't include that, it would be a bit, I just, I wanted to make an accurate kind of portrayal of what what sh what she would have done? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, were there any particular trips that you took uh, during the writing process, or trips that inspired passages in the book? Yeah. So we went to LA and to Liverpool mm -hmm. during this writing process, and lots of stuff that happened when we were away together did definitely inspire this. A, a couple of passages in the book. So um, their mother is an actress in the book. Um, and goes to LA to try and make it, and she doesn't. Um, and so Hannah and Ruth, at one point, go on a trip to visit her mum, and they surprise her, but the mum actually is horrified that they're there and is really horrible to them. And it suddenly becomes Ruth and Hannah just hanging out in LA, not knowing what to do and whether they should go and see their mum. So they end up going on a, to Santa Monica Pier and going on a ride, and that was definitely inspired by an actual trip to Universal Studios <laughs> that we took. And we decided to go on, I think, the Harry Potter theme ride. <laughs> and it was like a, it was an amazing ride, to be fair, if it hadn't broken down. Yeah, so um, we were just, we were, we, we were newly grieving as well, yeah, we should yeah. just mention. So yeah, that's so why it was lots of strange decisions. A heightened trip, anyway. And we thought, oh, let's, let's be crazy and go on the Harry Potter ride. Yeah, yeah. You were riding a broomstick at one point. It was amazing. It um, was, but there was this it big... It was an amazing BB. I had a great time. Okay. Um, there was a big uh, movie screen in front of us, and they were like they were showing you sort of virtual Hogwarts and stuff like that, and you were sort of you were being lifted up in air to like <laughs> simulate like going on the broomstick and everything like that. And then just as we were at like the peak of our like um, descent, um, that's not the right word, but you know what I mean. And then the the screen suddenly cut out, and there were all of these really really loud crashing sounds. And at first we thought it was part of the ride. But <laughs> so terrifying. We were hanging there suspended for a good half an hour. So it felt like half an hour. It probably was way less. It was but it like was one minutes. of those moments where I was like, we're gonna die now. Yeah. We are actually gonna die. And that's so fitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, would <laughs> it would have been so embarrassing it if they had been to report so on that. Awful. Harry Potter actress dies on a broken Harry Potter ride. <laughs> <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Like that would be really funny. And then it was even yeah. more embarrassing. <laughs> Because we got off the ride and everyone was like, oh, it's fine, just keep going on our universal day. And I was livid. Yeah. I was so angry, partly because I was like, no, we can't die now. Yeah. 
So I went up to somebody who worked there and I shouted at her. <laughs> and then she recognised me. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, the ride broke down. We were going to die up there. <laughs> Sorry, Ten. Sorry. Oh no, that's my, that's my baby, so he's allowed to cry. Sorry. Um, Sorry, 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 sorry. I did. Sorry, I do that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I, she, I shouted at her, and she acted like it wasn't even a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, "But we were hanging there for ages. Like that's it was terrifying." And she was like, "I'm sorry. Do you want to go on it again for free?" It was just so weird. Mm -hmm. Did we go on it again for free? I no, like we, we did. didn't take that opportunity. Oh yeah. Okay. No. Oh, I just. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that scared him. I feel like maybe what was um, so like emotionally significant about that whole experience was that we'd just been through such a huge upheaval, like our whole like perspective on life had changed when our brother passed away, that we decided to take a lot more risks in that period of time, like uh, going to Edinburgh and doing a like a work in progress show and like going to Universal and going to LA. So then to be like just like threatened with this risk that you could die in like such a ridiculous crazy way it was just like it was just so discombobulating for us at that period of time so it makes perfect sense that you would write about that in the book yeah and do you feel like the mother character who's so very different from our mother did you feel like that was sort of like living vicariously through what it would be like to have a different kind of mother yeah totally like because i've own i only know how what it's like to have just the most amazing mother and um i didn't think that was worth I couldn't write about that because it would just be too you know I I thought it, it was just such a stretch for me to write about a mother who wasn't that into her kids mm -hmm. and didn't really care what they did and um I, it's kind of inspired by kind of actresses I know and it's it's just I think I just really wanted to try and have somebody in there that was because Ruth is totally alone when Hannah dies she's kind of abandoned by everything she and that was a situation I really wanted to push myself to write about something that because I'm not alone you know I've got you I've got our other siblings I've got our family so uh I needed to push Ruth to like a, a situation that is so far away from my life to be able to really write it as fiction yeah and do you also feel like writing about a character that's going through something that's you know arguably worse than what you've been through was it sort of cathartic because you got to sort of compare and be like, wow, okay, at least I don't have it as terrible as she does? Yeah, it had to be worse in a way, although every death is just awful. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a very particular type of grief that she's experiencing, which I think is the same for us. Um, and it was just really important to me to write about a sudden trauma because it's just so unrelatable. Mm -hmm. You can't find people out there that really can know how you're feeling because it's not happened to them and it's not really happened to anyone they know. So that makes her even more alone. Mm -hmm. And um, I, yeah, it was really important to me to, 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 to it's a very similar type of loss. Mm -hmm. And did you feel that when, this is something you've, you've uh, said to me and you say on our podcast a lot, that when everything first happened, you sort of rushed to reading about grief. You sort mm. of read every grief book that there was. And with writing this book, whether it was consciously or unconsciously, did you want to sort of add to that sort of body of work, writing about grief, because it helped you when you needed it? Yeah, so I definitely, I've never been, a, I've always read, but I've never been, I've never needed reading like I have done in the last two years as a way of distraction and 
education and just uh, I don't know. I just I, when so when we first uh, when it first happened, I had to read every single book there was about trauma and become an expert on uh, uh, grief. And all of the books did not help me. They were interesting, but they didn't help me because usually there's just so little out there about sibling loss mm -hmm. because it is so fucking unusual. So um, it, it was really important for me to write a book that hopefully people could relate to if they've lost a sibling. And that's not something I set out to do at all. And it's only in talking about it more that I realized that's what it is. Um, Hopefully, it's a celebration of siblings. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, what I would really love is if people read this and they weren't particularly close to their siblings, or maybe they'd, they'd fought with their siblings, if people can read it and then think, oh, actually, I'll text her and say I love you, or him and say I love you. That, that would just be so nice. But was the actual process of writing the book and writing like a very negative character to a certain extent? Ruth is so funny, but she's also like got such a sort of distressed way of looking at the world. Did you find like you were able to channel all of the bad things that you were going through into her and therefore feel better yourself? Or did it actually bring you down to that process of writing it? No, because I am such a negative person, mm -hmm. just so profoundly negative, like in my soul, um, that it was quite great to write somebody who was even more negative. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, actually, I'm doing all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was quite fun in a way. And also, I didn't have the luxury, because I don't think I seem negative. To, I mean, to you, I Look do. Look at the way you're dressed. You seem like a... Like a, a, a <laughs> um, I, I, I think, to you, you would know I'm negative. To Alfie, he would know I'm negative. Um, but I think I don't seem that, like I am, really. And so it was quite liberating to write about somebody who is just so dark. Um, and I, I very much feel like I'm you know, I'm Ruth in a way with elements of Hannah, but um, yeah, I don't know what I was going to say. I was going to say something else. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe, maybe we'll come back to Yeah, it. maybe. But do you think that you've always been a negative person? Like, do you think that before this all happened, the other elements of your writing and the shows that you've done, do you think that they were like, they were viewed through the lens of you being a very negative person? I guess all of your shows have been about sort of pining for something or heartbreak or wanting something that you're not. So do you think that you've always been a negative person, or do you think that maybe now you're only becoming that person? I think I've always been a negative person. Mm -hmm. I don't think anything happened to make me a negative person. I think it's just some, but I'm negative with hope, and that's hopefully what the book is, negative with hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely, I have very low expectations about anything I create, mm -hmm. and then if it does a little bit better than that, then that's great. But. Um, I think I'd prefer to be that way than somebody who's got, you know, high expectations of, of stuff they do and then for it to go appallingly. So, yeah, I don't think, I've, I don't think anything happened to make me negative. Mm -hmm. I've just always been um, like a fighter, mm -hmm. like a desperate fighter. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you're necessarily negative. I think that you just tend to look at things when it comes to yourself, you're very self-deprecating, as we've already said. But when it comes to your family and your children and everything like that, all of the work that you do is so clearly because you want to be able to provide something for them. And that's like the opposite of negative because you're actively putting stuff out there into the world. And I feel like a lot of artists maybe, they make work 
you know, partly because of artistic inspiration and stuff like that, but also because they want their voices to be heard and they believe in themselves in that way. Whereas it's just so funny with you <laughs> that seemingly you hate yourself, but you just got to put stuff out there so that your kids can eat. You know, it's like really fascinating to me. And that doesn't seem like negativity at all to me. So I think in that way, you're very different from the book's lead character, because I think that no matter what, even in the times of like the worst grief that we experience, you were always so focused on making something out mm. of it. And I guess that's what this book represents to you. Yeah, this is just an, extens an extension of a diary for me. Obviously, it's not real and there's lots of stuff, but there is a lot of truth in there. And um, I definitely believe that writing is a form of therapy and can help you. And it always has helped me. I've written a diary since I was 10. And even if it's an awful day, if you write down something that happened, then the day existed. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, not to get too emotional, but like after Ben died, I, I wrote down the next day, something that happened and the next day. And that was my way of like getting dressed. And um, that's become vital to me now. Like, you know what it's like when I lose my diary, mm -hmm. it's kind of, Oh yeah, you don't want to, <laughs> no one suggested the day that she's lost her diary. And it's not like it's eloquent prose in there. It's just literally like Margot said this, Donnie said this. You know, it's just really matter of fact, and um, it's absolutely saved me. Mm -hmm. And this book has saved me in a lot of ways too. Well, that's lovely. Um, do you find that there are certain passages in the book that have been so genuinely uh, lifted from actual experiences that you've had that you almost felt? like awkward writing about them, not any of the stuff with us, but for example, like the bits at school, um, did you find <laughs> like, was that exciting to write about? Because it was a long time ago, so you know that the people involved wouldn't mind. And they won't read this. And they probably won't read they this. They hate me, yeah. <laughs> they hate me. <laughs> um, but right, talk about the denim jacket story. Oh yeah, so I mean, it, I just, I'm kind of like enjoying writing about it and talking about it because I kind of so desperately want her to read it. Uh -huh. She won't. She's too cool. Yeah. She's living in Spain now, um, I think. Who? <laughs> Just, who? <laughs> this girl, I'm not going to say her name, Zoe. Um, <laughs> she, she was like the cool girl at school, mm -hmm. and she befriended me, and kind of because I didn't ever wear makeup or do my hair, and she did. She kind of saw me as this kind of like dolly, and she put makeup on me and straightened my hair, and made tried to make me into a slut it never happened unfortunately mm -hmm. but she tried and um a new girl came into the school one day who was rich and everyone knew she was rich because the, the family dropped her off in this like ridiculous car and zoe hated this and so one day and and obviously everyone was like enjoyed the new girl and zoe was really angry and so one day she took me down to uh the locker room and she, she probably won't even remember this, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said her name. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. fine. It's fine. She doesn't, she's too cool to read. Um, <laughs> she basically took her gum out and found this girl's locker. And this girl was like parading her new denim jacket around school. And she got her, got her the gum out and she bashed the gum into the denim jacket and made me watch and then put the denim jacket back in. So the denim jacket was now ruined. And it's like, don't tell anyone that happened. And then shoot me away. And this was the, 
there's so much stuff that happened that was more meaningful and nicer at school, but that's the only thing I remember <laughs> at, from high school. And so I have that in the book as something kind of, as uh, really importantly, because Hannah, I think, can be misconstrued as this perfect sister character, and she's not. She's, she's weird, too, mm -hmm. and she does weird things driven by jealousy, and she goes mad when she's in love, and she's fucked up. And so that's something that Hannah does in the book. But that was what Zoe did. Yeah, wow. I mean, why do you think it was important to uh, like write about how Hannah wasn't perfect? Because do you find that when somebody has died, like the way that people talk about that person, I mean, if they are talking about that person at all, because it can be quite scary for other people to bring up the person that you've lost. But that person sort of becomes like an angelic figure, don't they? Like they've, you know, they don't even become like a human being anymore. And that can be painful in a completely different way because you don't want to remember the person that you've lost as a sort of character. You want to remember them as the person. So I feel like you uh, edited the book in one of the later drafts to make Hannah a lot more of a person. Was that an important process for you? Yeah, definitely. And that's only something that I could have done with time. Mm -hmm. So because the book was written over two years, so my I, I grew in those two years. And not only that, I you know, so much life happened. And so it was only after, like, quite a late stage, I realized that Hannah was quite perfect. And, um, yeah, that wasn't accurate. Mm -hmm. And it's never accurate. No one is perfect. And... Um, Everybody makes mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes, <laughs> BB. <laughs> but it was really important that she was, she was as weird as Ruth is. Mm -hmm. um, and I do, I find that too. But I think if there is any positive from death, it's that the person can be made into this kind yeah. of mythical, cool figure yeah. forever. Mm -hmm. Even if they weren't as cool or mythical, like that's something they, sh they deserve. Mm -hmm. They can become whatever you want now. Yeah. And that's something that I kind of, I believe. How did you come up with the names of the characters? Was that like <laughs> a difficult process? No, and that's also something really hard to, to people don't realize that's really hard part of writing. Because I feel like the names influence how you write about a character in the way that names influence how a person turns out. Like, you're very much a Jessie, and I feel like I'm very much a BB. Yeah. Um, so if you'd given the characters the wrong names, I think it would, it would influence how the whole book was written. Yeah, and it did. It did. I needed those names right from the beginning. But it was really awkward, because later on, Alfie read a draft, and there's um, a couple of Italian remover men, mm -hmm. and I called them Mario and Luigi. <laughs> And Harvey's like, you can't call them Mario and Luigi. <laughs> Luigi's not even an Italian name, is it? Anyway, so I changed their names. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I should have stuck with Mario and Luigi, though. <laughs> um, so what books did you read in the process of writing um, Sunset beforehand that you were really inspired by the writing style, if there were any, or did you try to make it completely original? Um, and I even wrote down here, Books that have made you cry, but that's actually I don't feel like you want I don't feel like you want to answer that question, so you don't have to. Well, they all of the books that inspired Sunset were were memoirs on death, mm -hmm. and there was one particular book that ruined me, um, but I just couldn't put it down, and it's called Once More We Saw Stars by Jason Greengrass Green something mm -hmm. Green something, and it's just an amazing memoir, really beautifully written. And it's about him losing his two-year-old daughter just by chance. Uh, he, they're staying with, um, the, the daughter goes to stay with the grandparents that day. And just a bit of uh, building 
just happens to fall off and hit the, the girl on the head down below, and she dies. Um, and it's just how they get, you know, how they pick themselves up and survive. Um, and it's just so awful to read about. But it's just so courageous and just moved me so much. Mm -hmm. and, and you could argue, why, why has he written this? Like, it's just so sad and exposing and personal. Why did he do that? And it's because it saved him. It, he needed to do that because that's honoring the girl forever. And I saw, I, you know, I stalked him on Instagram and stuff, and he has just handled it so beautifully and dig so dignified every step, even when he's promoting the book and stuff, and just been so open. And I just was, that, that absolutely inspired me in a lot of ways. I mean, you say that it was exposing for him, but do you not find that having to do press about the book and people making assumptions and, for example, you did BBC Breakfast the other day, and do you want to talk about the <laughs> questions that they asked you just before? Well, yeah, because it was really funny because they were going to ask about, because um, Sunrise, my show, has like, just come out, and they were going to show a clip from that, and they were going to also talk about um, something else, like quite lighthearted, but they didn't warn me that the whole chat would be about grief. And so, and also I didn't know that iPads kind of zoom in. So it was just my face, like so close, just as I was, you can see in my eyes, like how like shocked I am with the first question. Um, but I thought, okay, fuck it, there's nothing I can do. So I have to now just be like, I have to be fine. I have to just talk about it. And I have to just not cry. So if I can do that, then it's, uh, that's fine. And um, yeah, it's, it's shocking because it's like, it, yes, it is a book about grief. It is fucking sad. It is inspired by our brother. It's, it's awful that it's come to this, but at the same time, I've made something and hopefully it's going to be worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, what would be uh, success to you with regards to this book? Would it just be that like somebody reads it and feels better about a similar situation that they've gone through? Or uh, do you think that maybe in the future you would like to extend this story and, and write more about it? I'm not going to extend it, and I would never write about grief again, hopefully. Uh, I, I think success would be somebody sharing the book with somebody, mm -hmm. um, passing it along, and hopefully it's, it does help anyone who has lost a sibling or anybody they're, they're close with. And if not, and but also I think this is a, it's it's also a you know it's it's a fun hopefully it's funny and it's it's celebrating sisters. It's not just about having lost a sister. It's about having had a sister, and I think that's what's so kind of grief has this just such heavy connotations with sadness and it, it grief is also about remembering mm -hmm. the person who was there and and loving that loving them and. The book is like not straightforward. It goes back and forth in time, and that's what happens when you're grieving. It just constantly goes between feeling okay and not feeling okay, and remembering this thing, or, or thinking about a future that's not going to happen, and then thinking about what you actually had and how lucky you were to have that. And I tried to really do that. Mm -hmm. Do you think that having written the book now, you're going to find it slightly more difficult to go back to other forms of writing, like performance? Would you? Yeah, do you think that maybe you want to do another live show or something like that? Or now that you've, you've written it in this form, you want to maybe continue on with this? 
yeah, I definitely would like to continue writing fiction and to, to try and get better and learn. And um, I, I feel really like I've, I've worked so hard at it and tried my best. So it would be silly to now just be like, oh, I'm going to do something else. Mm -hmm. So I would, I, I would like to do something like that again. Um, you still have a piece of hair. Yes. <laughs> but you were answering so beautifully oh. and so sensitively. I didn't want to point it out. But it, it, it's, it's really it's hard to now. talk about the book without talking about like big things that happen it because if people are going to read it, then I don't want to like. But yeah, I don't know what we can say really. Mm -hmm. then. Well, no, that's that's great. I think that we yeah, could um, answer yeah, some think, questions yeah. now if anybody has any questions for Jesse about anything. Does anybody have any questions? <laughs> oh, God. No, everything I've ever done, whether it's a Q&A, no one's ever asked a question. <laughs> I think maybe because, you know, you come across as, like, relatively, like, nervous and stuff. But you would love some questions, wouldn't you? Not really. <laughs> Horatio, do you have a question? No, no, I feel some people are nervous. Alfie, you ask a question. Alfie, you ask a question. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't... Also, well, also, I've got my situation... Oh, sorry. Uh, again, <laughs> again, again. Um, I, uh, I, um, you don't have to answer. Having read the book, having read the book <laughs> uh, relatively recently, and uh, I, I just wanted to uh, express, I don't have a question, but uh, how funny... Well, you should have a question. <laughs> you should have a question. Yeah, I'm not you. You'll like it. You'll be embarrassed and you'll go oh, God. I'm secretly happy that it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you should write a book. That was yeah, very eloquently put. Yeah. Thanks very much indeed. Oh. Okay. Still wasn't a question, though. Yeah. Um, Horatio, do you have a question? No, no, just, we need to stop asking people that on. Here we go. Do you have a question? You have a question. Thank you. We'll bring you a microphone because it's making it a little well, bit easier. I'll be in need of a microphone. <laughs> yeah, sure. You can shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shout it and then I'll repeat it. My mum, my mum, <laughs> yeah, and Alfie, sorry. How do you multitask and like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, it's huge so much, you have a city in your 
I think becoming a mother was quite good for my time management, just because I only had, say, an hour to do something, and I would have either I'd get nothing done or I'd get it done. And so um, I have become better with time since becoming a mother, and also because I think I became a mother quite young, and I was quite desperate in my career at the time. I think it was like, okay, if I'm going to have this baby, I also need to do okay. Otherwise, this baby's not going to have any food. So it was quite like, you know, it forced me to be more um, efficient with my time. So this book was literally written in hours I had. And, um, and then also being pregnant is, I recommend being pregnant just for time management, just because <laughs> um, you do have this like urge to get it done suddenly, because you know that the baby's going to come out and you want to have a nice time with the baby. So it's like, okay, just do as much work as you can while you're pregnant, and then you can have a nice time. Unfortunately for me, that didn't happen, um, because the baby came early and I was meant to finish the book. And then it turned out that a week's work, it would have taken me a week, took me four months. So it just, it, you know, everything would have, this book would have probably been finished a lot earlier. You know, it's just, everything takes a lot longer and you have to get everything done in a short period of time. And you have to have a brilliant mom who is very helpful and encourages you to work and a boyfriend who lets you be a bitch. And um, so stuff like that. Also not having a perfectionist mindset, I think. Yeah. Like Jesse um, always says to me, you know, just send an email. Like, don't check for typos and, like, it doesn't have to be perfect. You can have it in the drafts for ages. But if you send that email a day later, then you would have just sent it immediately. Like, it's never going to be as good. It's like, as Joan Didion says, yeah. because she wrote an amazing yeah. memoir on grief, um, when you get to the fork of a road of a decision and you can't decide if you're going to do A or B, it doesn't really matter which one you take. The only thing that matters is how long you spend deciding. And I think Jesse just perfectly encapsulates that because I procrastinate with every decision I've ever made. And I find it so intimidating how much she manages to achieve. But it's because uh, rather than worrying about if the thing is good enough and if she's good enough, like she probably hates herself anyway. But that's she just puts it out there. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be perfect. Or and I've it always, always ends that. up being good. But that's because when I did Harry Potter afterwards, I got no work and I went back to secretary, I went to secretary school and there was this. I can't believe that. Because <laughs> I thought it would be cool to be an executive PA because it sounds cool. Um, and you the, had to learn how to do fast typing. Which I didn't. But anyway, we had, a, we had a, a session with a woman who was just like so tall. And she, <laughs> she did um, um, a session on assertiveness. And it's ingrained into my mind ever since. And she made us all, she gave us all a copy of this book called Eat That Frog. And she was like, everyone's got to eat that fucking frog. <laughs> and basically, the book is about how if you've got things to do in the day, if you think of it as a frog, a hot frog. A hot frog, <laughs> a hot frog, crucially. A really crucially hot, a frog. hot frog. And basically, you're going to have to eat that frog, yeah, yeah, no yeah. matter what you do. Do you want it hot do. or cold, though? That's do you want it hot or cold? You want it hot. You want it hot. So fucking eat Nobody the frog. Nobody wants to eat a cold frog. Eat so, that yeah. frog yeah. as quickly as you can. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what this book, I ate the frog. She did. Woo, yeah, she ate the frog. <laughs> So yeah, so yeah. That, that stuck with me ever mm. since. So yeah, I don't mind about what I put that. I mean, I have, I do mind about this, but in the rest of my stuff, with like YouTube videos or stuff, I'm very much like, it doesn't matter if it's not good enough, just try your best and put it out there. Totally, great question, thank you. Does anybody else have any questions? I should have sold that book too. I should have like a table over here. <laughs> 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 that frog, yeah. Does anybody else have any questions? 
find a few. No, no. Oh, oh, there we go. I'll get. <laughs> I guess it's just. Um, you can, yeah, there. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so right now I've just kind of put all my eggs into a book basket, but when that basket is empty, then I'll put my eggs into another basket. I had a good analogy about dog racing. Was it dog racing or horse racing? Greyhounds. Greyhounds. Um, so in my entire, in my life, I kind of think of it as a race with all the dogs, the greyhounds. <laughs> Jesse's never seen a greyhound in real life, by the way. <laughs> and I just, I put my money behind the fastest one at the time. So I'm choosing to put my money behind the greyhound. <laughs> Do you need to make it sound like it's more emotionally charged than It's that? emotionally charged, but so at points, I, I just choose whatever greyhound looks the fittest <laughs> that day. No, I don't think that's necessarily true. It is true. true. I'm, I go with whatever opportunity is available. And yeah, I, but you do illustration as like a way of... That's my um, fun thing. That's your fun thing, definitely. And you've always honoured that. You can't have fun all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, with acting, it's like not so And um, with acting, your, your it's power. like, you know, very few and far between. And it's whatever opportunity comes up. Um, and it's usually playing someone quirky with big glasses. So it's, um, they don't come up that often. So it's just, yeah, whatever is available and suits the person I am at the time. But do you prefer any one thing? No, but the unfortunate thing about... Uh, so I spent a long time in TV development, like eight years, with one project for Channel 4, which didn't ever get made. And I regret those eight years so profoundly um, because it was me trusting an executive and a producer because they had power. And I should have just... I should have just gone with my own stuff, and I should have just kept making my own stuff, but I put everything on hold for this thing in a way. I did other stuff at the same time, but I really thought it would happen. And when it didn't, it was just crushing, because it's like, but I just spent eight years doing that. So how can that, so it, I've learned from that, and I'm not ever gonna do that again, um, if that answers the question. Yeah, it does. Okay, okay great. <laughs> um, does anybody else have any questions? We. Bang on an hour. Here we go. Okay. Hi. Um, why did you choose to write um, as the younger sister? And why did you choose to write uh, different age gaps, the one that we have? It is a really good question. I, I don't know. I... I, you know how you have an age you feel you are? So I feel I'm 26, even though I'm 34. Um, and so I thought, okay, I'm just going to pretend I am. And it's also a crucial age for me. That's when I got pregnant with Donnie. And I do feel like my life suddenly became a different thing. So I think probably it was me choosing. I remember being 26 so clearly. And that is probably because that's you know, a huge thing happened when I was 26. So that's probably why I chose to write that. And also, um, it's, it's kind of arrogant that I've written, the, I've, I've killed off the older sister and she's the perfect one, just because I'm your older sister and I'm the perfect one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just kind of, I just 
you would be so fucked if I die. Oh yeah. Like you Big not time. not in a like it, you would be fine. Sorry. <laughs> but just like I would feel so bad if I died for you. Not oh, yeah. that you need me, but you just you like me. Yeah. So it would just be awful. So I just kind of use that as a kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you um, think maybe also because when you're writing as the younger sister like you you naturally kind of just put a lot of vulnerability and like learning and developing into that character um like if you were writing as the older sister they like are going to have their life slightly more in order as hannah does and everything like that whereas you writing as ruth you were able to really channel maybe the insecurities and stuff that you felt at that age into that character quite well totally. and yeah. hannah is like what you were aspiring to be yes. you know De definitely. And maybe it's also something to do with the fact that I don't know what it's like to have an older sister. So killing her off meant that I didn't really have to, you know, I can imagine what it's like to have an older sister, like Ruth is now having to, unfortunately. Maybe that's partly it. Mm. Really good question. I don't know. Mm. Just don't know. <laughs> Does anybody else have I any think. questions? Oh, hi. Yeah. Yeah, of course, please. Nice glasses. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's a really good question. Yeah. So um, the airport was just such a big part of the book. Um, and so it was quite natural for me to start in Heathrow. Um, and then everything changed. So I think the, oh, there's only a couple of things in the first draft that have remained kind of as they are. The rest of it was like chiseled and changed and stuff. But how did you start it? Like how much of the um, beginning process was just thinking about it, you know, before actually writing so, something down? I think so, it's so understood how, how much writing is about, is thinking. It, you know, it, you can go through weeks without writing, but you've been, if you've been thinking and if you've been, you know, planning, then it is writing. Um, so, and especially when you have kids and you have other things, like you have to, that thinking time is crucial. So yeah, it's, it, a lot of it was, um, when it came to actually sitting down and writing, it was quite easy because I had been thinking about it for so long. Um, yeah, I and don't. You were going to say that um, uh, something that you regret that you would have done slightly differently now is that at the beginning you sort of wrote as you went on, yeah, and so then, then you had to do a big edit at the end. Whereas you think that now you would sort of edit as you go. Sorry. You yeah. So we <laughs> made such a mistake because when the first draft was in, it was like in the summer. Uh, I just kind of like written as I went, and I didn't ever look back. I kind of thought I knew what I'd written, but you don't remember. Like, I, you don't remember paragraphs. You remember an idea, but you don't remember word for word what you've written. So then when I had to hand in the first draft, I could only show it to BB because I was like, there's no way I'm showing this to, like, it was so exposing. And so BB saw the mess, and I felt confident enough for her to kind of, like, see that. And she helped me kind of like carve it into the right structure and stuff, and then and help me with words. She's really good with words, <laughs> and uh, didn't need thesaurus.com. And, <laughs> and then from that point, it was like, okay, now we have a structure. Now we can go forward. But, but it's a, it was a fucking mess. And if, if I do it again, you would like go. I'm edit gonna edit away. as I go. Definitely edit as you go. That's a good tip. <laughs> okay, I think that we're time to finish now. Um, okay, well, thank you everyone so much for coming. Thank you so it's much for coming. Congratulations!
if any... Oh, my God, that was terrifying. Yeah. No, thank you to Bibi, and thank you for listening to that. It's quite, like, embarrassing to talk about. I'm really, really and grateful to please read the book now, because that would be so weird. <laughs> no! <laughs> but if you do want to buy one, it's, I'll stand here, and, and you can buy one if you like, and I can sign it. But don't worry if you don't want to do that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.